Good morning, everyone. Uh, we're in Isaiah 28 uh, this morning, so if you'd like to turn that up. Why don't I pray, and then I'll read the passage. Our Father, we thank you for uh, your word, and we pray that as we uh, look at this passage in Isaiah, you would strengthen our hearts and uh, deepen our trust in the Lord Jesus, and we ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 28, uh, woe to that wreath, the pride of Ephraim's drunkards, to the fading flower, his glorious beauty, set on the head of a fertile valley, to that city, the pride of those laid low by wine. See, the Lord has one who is powerful and strong, like a hailstorm and a destructive wind, like a driving rain and a flooding downpour. He will throw it forcefully to the ground. That wreath, the pride of Ephraim's drunkards, will be trampled underfoot. That fading flower, his glorious beauty, set on the head of a fertile valley, will be like figs ripe before harvest. As soon as people see them and take them in their hand, they swallow them. In that day, the Lord Almighty will be a glorious crown, a beautiful wreath for the remnant of his people. He will be a spirit of justice to the one who sits in judgment, a source of strength to, the one who uh, to those who turn back the battle at the gate. And these also stagger from wine and reel from beer. Priests and prophets stagger from beer and are befuddled with wine. They reel from beer. They stagger when seeing visions. They stumble when rendering decisions. All the tables are covered with vomit, and there is not a spot without filth. Who is he trying to teach? To whom is he explaining his message? To children weaned from their milk? To those just taken from the breast? For it is do this, do that, a rule for this, a rule for that, a little here, a little there. Very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to this people, to whom he said, this is the resting place, let the weary rest, and this is the place of repose, but they would not listen. So then the word of the Lord to them will become, do this, do that, a rule for this, a rule for that, a little here, a little there, so that as they go, they will fall backwards. They will be injured and snared and captured. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule the, this people in Jerusalem. You boast, we have entered into a covenant with death. With the realm of the dead, we have made an agreement. When an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us, for we have made a lie our refuge and falsehood our hiding place. So this is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep, sweep away your refuge, the lie, and water will overflow your hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled. Your agreement with the realm of the dead will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it comes, it will carry you away. Morning after morning, by day and by night, it will sweep through. The understanding of this message will bring sheer terror. The bed is too short to stretch out on, the blanket too narrow to wrap around you. The Lord will rise up as he did at Mount Perizim. He will rise himself as in the valley of Gibeon to do his work, his strange work, and perform his task, his alien task. Now stop your mocking, or your chains will become heavier. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, has told me of the destruction decreed against the whole land. Listen and hear my voice. Pay attention and hear what I say. When a farmer plows for planting, does he plow continually? 
Does he keep on breaking up and working the soil? When he has leveled the surface, does he not sow caraway and scatter cumin? Does he not plant wheat in its place, barley in its plot, and spelt in its field? His God instructs him and teaches him the right way. Caraway is not threshed with a, th a sledge, nor is the cartwheel rolled over cumin. Caraway is beaten out with a rod and cumin with a stick. Grain must be ground to make bread, so one does not go on threshing it forever. The wheels of a threshing cart may be rolled over it, but one does not use horses to grind grain. All this comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful, whose wisdom is magnificent. How do you react uh, when you are under pressure? Uh, does pressure uh, drive you towards God or away from Him? Our passage this morning shows uh, that there are uh, two ways, not two ways to live, but uh, two ways to turn away from God. But it also shows us how the gospel speaks to that movement away from God. Uh, we might not be tempted to the extremes of the rejection of God that we see in this passage, but as we look at it, I think it will show us uh, the tendency, uh, the tendencies in all of our hearts. Well, this is a new section of Isaiah, and uh, in this section, 3 to 35, uh, the issue is that the leaders of Jerusalem did not believe that God could protect their city from the might of Assyria. And so they turned away from him uh, to pursue political alliance with Egypt. Uh, in a, a few chapters, he'll put it this way at the beginning of chapter 31, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen. But do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. You trust Egypt, but you don't trust the Lord. You trust in the military might of Egypt, but you don't trust the Lord. The focus of this chapter is on the leaders in Jerusalem, calling them, uh, to uh, lead the people in their trust of the Lord. But before he turns to address them directly, he reminds them of what happened to the northern kingdom, to Samaria, to Ephraim, when they failed to trust the Lord and his promises. And so uh, in the first uh, six verses, we see the self-reliance of Samaria, the self-reliance self of Samaria. Uh, this uh, section may have been a message that was given to Samaria before her fall, or it may be Isaiah saying what he would have said if he had prophesied uh, to them. But the imagery uh, in verse 1 is of the leaders of Samaria as drunk on power. Uh, Samaria uh, set on the top of a hill uh, at, uh, uh, with, with a fertile valley running down to the sea. Uh, but this position of strength and security and prosperity had led them to become complacent, self-reliant, and self-indulgent. Verse 1, woe to that wreath, the pride of Ephraim's drunkards, to the fading flower, his glorious beauty, set on the head of a fertile valley, to that city, the pride of those laid low by wine. And this uh, self-reliance and indulgence is met by judgment from the Lord, who has, verse 2, one who is powerful and strong. In other words, Assyria. And the next verses kind of graphically emphasize the power of, Assy of Assyria, like a storm with overflowing waters. And the instantaneous nature of Samaria's destruction 
Uh, verse 4, like a first ripe fig before the summer. When someone sees it, just swallows it as soon as it is in his hand. So the picture Isaiah is painting is of the rulers of the northern kingdom before their defeat of Assyria, drunk with complacency and not turning to the Lord. And in the rest of the chapter, he'll sort of apply that historical example to his contemporary uh, his contemporaries in Jerusalem said, don't make the mistake that Samaria made. Uh, but before he switches uh, from the past to his present, uh, he jumps uh, to the future. And verses 5 to 6 show that even for Samaria, destroyed by Assyria, there was hope for the remnant. And what the Lord offers them is the very thing they sought in their own self-reliance. The Lord offers them the very thing they sought in themselves. Verse 5, in that day, the Lord Almighty will be a glorious cry, a beautiful wreath for the remnant of his people. He will be a spirit of justice to the one who sits in judgment, a source of strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. Uh, God is the one who judges Samaria for her proud self-reliance, but God is the very one who provides uh, what she was looking for. He would be their cry. He would be their source of strength. And that is the stand of faith, uh, to look to the Lord uh, rather than to yourself and to find in Him more than you can ask or imagine. Uh, Paul puts it at the end of 1 Corinthians 1, uh, it is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. Uh, he is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And so let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so having pointed to the lesson of Samaria, uh, a lesson that Samaria failed to uh, heed, Isaiah turns to the leaders of Jerusalem. And the problem that the leaders um, face or that they're, they're uh, falling into is that they scoff at God's word. It's there in verse uh, 14. Uh, they scoff at God's word. Um, Hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers. Or verse 22, stop your mocking, same word, uh, scoffing. Uh, they are cynical towards God's word. And so, as well as the self-reliance of Samaria, we have the cynicism of Jerusalem. And their cynicism seems to take two forms. Uh, one is kind of an outright mocking of God's Word, and one is a reliance on a lie. And we see the outright mocking of God's Word in verse 9. Uh, who is he trying to teach? Presumably Isaiah. Who is he trying to teach? Who, to whom is he explaining his, uh, this message? To children weaned from their milk? To those just taken from the breast? For it is, do this, do that, a rule for this, a rule for that, a little here, a little there. And verse 10 actually may be sort of more meaningless uh, babble. Uh, the implication being, Isaiah, you, you're speaking to us like little children. What you're saying has no relevance to us. It is just babbling. And the response of God to that attitude is the same as the response that he had to Samaria. A judgment that particularly fitted their rejection, a judgment that particularly fitted their rejection, verse 11, very well then, very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to this people. Verse 13, so then the word of the Lord to them will become, do this, do that, a rule for this, a rule for that, a little here, a little there. 
so that as they go, they will fall backwards. They will be injured and snared and captured. Do you think what I'm saying is just babbling? Well, you will hear real babbling, words you can't understand when foreign invaders come and capture you. Now, the judgment of God matches their rejection of him. And this pattern we see in Isaiah is uh, repeated in Jesus' ministry, in Paul's ministry. Those who refuse to hear the message will ultimately be broken by that very same message. But it's not just uh, obvious, outright mocking and rejection. Uh, They have more subtly turned away from the Lord in forming an alliance with Egypt Verse 14, therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem. You boast, uh, we've entered into a covenant with death, with the realm of the dead, we've made an agreement. When an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it cannot touch us, for we have made a lie our refuge and falsehood our hiding place. It's probably not that the people thought that they were making a covenant with death or taking refuge in a lie. Isaiah is saying that's what you're doing in reality. You turn away from God, you turn away from His Word, and you are entering into a covenant with death. So their covenant with Egypt, their alliance with Egypt, was taking refuge in lies and falsehoods, which would ultimately not provide them with the security that they hoped for. But they would find that in looking to death and shield, they would descend to the grave. But once again, once again, the Lord offers them uh, what they were looking for elsewhere. In contrast to the false refuge to which Judah and its leaders had turned, uh, the Lord offers a true sanctuary in Jerusalem, uh, which he uh, describes in in terms of this uh, laying of this foundational cornerstone, verse 16. So this is what the sovereign Lord says, See, I lay a stone in Zion a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. Uh, Here's this uh, wonderful image of strength and security, the very thing that they were looking to Egypt to provide them with. Uh, The Lord himself would give them that security. In the first instance, probably this is uh, fulfilled in uh, the, the giving of, of Hezekiah as uh, king over Jerusalem, a good and godly king uh, who would uh, lead uh, the people and enable them to withstand against Assyria. But obviously, uh, the New Testament picks this up and sees it ultimately fulfilled in uh, the Lord Jesus, uh, the one in whom we rely to have security. And that wonderful note at the end of the verse, uh, the one who relies on this cornerstone will never be stricken with panic. When judgment comes, when the flood is coming, uh, the one who has built uh, their life on Jesus uh, will never need to panic. So once again, the Lord is offering them the very thing that they were seeking elsewhere. But if they reject that offer, uh, well, uh, they will be broken on the cornerstone. Again, the judgment matches the rejection. Verse 17, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. Hail will sweep away your refuge, the lie, and water will overflow your hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled. 
your agreement with the realm of the dead will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. As often as it comes, it will carry you away. Morning after morning, by day and by night, it will sweep through. The understanding of this message will bring sheer terror. God's judgment will fall. That the land will be destroyed. They've taken refuge in a lie. It will break away and uh, they will not be able to stand. And so, verse 22, stop your mocking. Stop your mocking, mocking or your chains will become heavier. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, has told me of the destruction decreed against the whole land. Don't scoff, but repent. In both cases, Samaria and Jerusalem, their rejection of God, whether overt or more subtle, is met with a warning of judgment and a promise of salvation. And I think there are strong parallels uh, here with Paul's uh, meditation on the cross in uh, 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. Uh, the cross exposes the folly of the world's wisdom, uh, of trusting in uh, its own wisdom, which cannot uh, deliver. Uh, and the cross judges the world's wisdom, and it brings it to nothing. But it is also God's strange, foolish, but wonderful means of salvation. How will you respond when the pressure is on, when the discipline of God lies heavily on you? Uh, the leaders of Jerusalem were under a lot of pressure. Uh, they had a superpower breathing down their neck. And yet, very simply, Isaiah's word to them is to listen and to trust. Verse 22, stop your mocking. Verse 23, listen and hear my voice. Pay attention and hear what I say. Well, the passage finishes with uh, two parables, uh, one about sowing, one about reaping. And the point seems to be this period of stress that you're under will not last forever. And it is not outside of God's purposes. Pressure, judgment, and disciplines, uh, discipline do not last forever. Verse 24, when a farmer plows for planting, does he plow continually? Does he keep on breaking up and working the soil? Uh, it will not continue forever, this period of stress that you're under. And further, pressure, judgment, and discipline is not purposeless, but it's part of God's plan. Verse 28, grain must be ground to make bread, so one does not go on threshing it forever. And wonderfully, verse 29, all this comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful and whose wisdom is magnificent. Uh, this passage points us to the greatness of the Lord as a Savior. Uh, we can find everything and more in Him than we look for in ourselves or in others. Uh, beauty, purpose, strength, salvation. And so to reject Him, to turn away from Him, even when pressure is on, is the height of folly. And what this passage has done, uh, God in His kindness has given us, given us this passage with its graphic imagery. So when we're tempted uh, to turn away in our hearts, we remember Samaria drunk on self-complacency. Uh, we remember Jerusalem uh, mocking and refusing to hear God's word, 
taking refuge in a lie. But we remember, above all, Christ, the cornerstone. And we remember that the one who relies on him will never be stricken by panic. Let's pray. Our Father, we give you praise that your plan is wonderful. Your wisdom is magnificent. Please help us to keep trusting in you. Amen.